The Convention Collective. Live from Lawless Comic Con, Bristol 2022. In profile, the 77 comic. Hello there, everybody. How are we doing? We're doing fine. Who is here for the second day? Who's here been for the whole weekend? Excellent stuff indeed. Have you been to any of the any of the panels? Have you enjoyed them? Good. Well, if you keep uh, letting them know at uh, at Lawless that you enjoy the panels, and we'll do our best to continue bringing you some great content uh, here in this room. Um, and I think. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with this particular uh, subject which we're going to be covering up next, I think you're in for an education because uh, it's a fantastic project uh, with some incredible talent, but it also uh, comes at comics from an interesting perspective from uh, not only looking at some uh, classic ways of making and telling stories, but also doing them in a, an interesting and new modern way, especially when it comes to crowdfunding. So we're going to be talking about the 77, at which point we have ourselves our fantastic panellists here. Uh, we have ourselves Ben Cullis, we have ourselves Andrew Sawyer, is it Sawyer's? Sawyer's, yeah. Sawyer's, I knew there was miss, going to miss an S. We have ourselves Lou Stringer, and we have, of course, Mr. Steve McManus. A round of applause for our panellists, please. Uh, quick introduction, my name is Leonard Sultana, I run a website called The Convention Collective and also a blog called An Englishman in San Diego talking about Comic Cons, con culture and all the stuff and nonsense we get to enjoy at such shows, which allows me to talk to such interesting people, which is uh, great. Especially when it comes to, and this is where I show off because I've got my own copy, I, I crowdfunded, I, I jumped in and I, I invested uh, because uh, I got myself uh, the 77 annual number one. And um, we're going to talk about uh, the 77. Let's uh, bring up the logo up there on the screen. Because uh, we're also going to be bringing uh, one or two bits and pieces of uh, artwork and uh, talking about a number of the books uh, that are available. But I think we'll start with yourself, Ben. We'll talk about the genesis of uh, 77. We'll talk about um, putting it all together and where the idea came from. By all means, introduce yourself and explain where the 77 came from. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Ben Cullis, I'm the founder of The 77, and a, a, a Facebook group, which kind of premiered here about five years ago, um, and met together with a bunch of people who, we were online, and it's much better, I think, to meet up and then discover that you do have that thing that you've all been chatting about wanting to do. So that thing was to produce comics, um, and we were going to launch 77 back in 2020 at this convention, and then COVID came along. So we all went online and investigated ways that we could potentially, instead of just raising revenues by selling comics at conventions and doing that sort of route, how we go online using Kickstarter. And the discussion was pretty obvious that we had to build our own market and community to respond and sell comics to and get actively involved with us, because none of us could get outside none of us could meet up none of us could you know do those things which meant that the traditional ways of selling comics was going to be done at that time and we've just carried on so now we're going back and we're starting to do the conventions again so in the two years if you were to walk through at the end of the convention hall if you look at the four stands there with Steve's on the, on the right hand side with Blazer then we have the 77 we've then got Pandora and we've got the artist table 
that's almost like I was saying, um, I'm a retired teacher now, and if you know the school reports you have to write after the summer, what you did in the summer, <laughs> the 77 is what I did in COVID with my friends. <laughs> and what we did is we've created 12 comics. So Blazer's done two, two, two strips. We've got the annual, which is a bespoke one. I did a little zine with an old comic character from the Bristol punk scene. So I'm an old Bristol boy. And in the 80s, there was a setup called Escape Muties from the Fifth Dimension. They went on and worked with people such as Viz and Deadline. I left and went and got an education in animation, but always wanted to come back and do that thing potentially when time allowed. And I was fortunately made redundant about three, four years ago. And the secret to doing a comic is having a little pile of money in your bank account, which is your buffer, and never going over it. And that's my reassurance that I'm doing the right thing and I can keep on doing this thing. So I've kept that money in my bank account. That's my little safe buffer. My wife is assured that I can pay three months mortgage, <laughs> keep it going. And because I'm not spending my money and the Kickstarters have been built up over the last two years and the amount of money which we raise, anybody who's been involved in the production of public or books and publishing would understand the kind of volumes of cash that you need to be able to keep something going. I mean, we're talking, you know, large amount of money and we're still in it. And the whole point is that we want to be just in it, working with fabulous creators, past and present, who have been well established and new guys like Andrew have come through. His story's probably similar to mine. It's just like connecting with people who... I've got their own stories to tell and we're going to branch out and give people opportunities to do their own books and you know to this week Pandora I literally brought the boxes from the publisher from the printers so Joe's been um, obviously premiering um, Pandora and it's so pleasant that obviously I met um, Lou and Steve um, they're both you, you would not look at it but they're both um, pool sharks <laughs> there's a pub in Kendall which um, is notorious for you losing your money don't go there it's called the Shakespeare and uh, they, they cleaned me out absolutely cleaned me out and, 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 and in return Steve said you have to read my new book which was the sheer glam conspiracy and funny enough I read that probably prior to doing the 77 and that will explain when Steve's talking about Blazer how that came about Lou like Andy said big fan of Lou's all my life known his work way back to Oink and from there knew the people that he worked with up in Newcastle the Donald Brothers at Fizz so I've kind of been in the scene and around it you know I used to go to UCACs in Bristol way back and like a lot of people then didn't do anything till 2017 when we had that day that we walked around a place in Hammersmith and just went oh my days there are these people here <laughs> and it was just one and there were no photographs of the 40th birthday of 2018 many because most people were in the zone just enjoying it they did not take photographs there was no, you know and, 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 and since then obviously The Lawless we sponsor that now and we're looking to branch out we might be doing some work with some publishers in the states that's already been we're working with Antarctic Press uh, which I need to speak to you about. I'm going to San Absolutely. Diego. I'm going to. I've got. I've got. A, I've, got a, um, I've got a chair with Antarctic uh, San Diego next year. So maybe we'll catch up potentially oh, if you're there. Oh, um, we've got people contacting us about things we'd like to do with the creator's own work. So the 77 doesn't own the rights. We share the Kickstarter. Try and kind of deal it as, as a collective. Try and have fair terms. But in essence. Andy and Lou and Steve, they can all walk away with their, 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 life, their, 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 their property, do with it as they wish, but I, I hope that they feel that what we're doing is equitable and potentially something great that they're, that they're happy for their creations to be involved in. Um, and I certainly like, love working with them. Um, and it's been, a, 
it's been a tremendous weekend just meeting up with people and a validation really I think what the, the, the 77 is, 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 is about giving all sorts of people all sorts of different opportunities sure. so you know we've been appraising some artwork today and yesterday we get submissions and um, it's very much an organic growing thing I don't have a road map well, that, that was going to be the next question, and we are going to be talking to the creatives very shortly. But uh, let's 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 talk about the actual uh, the, the the genesis, because the one thing about seventy seven, um, it does seem to be about spinning numerous plates at the same time uh, when it comes to the way that you've established yourself inside the community. Because you, as the setting of the Kickstarters, that can be one element of mm. setting up a business. There is that setting up of a community of uh, fans and followers which can be something else that someone has to really kind of focus on and then it's a case of networking and creating um, long-standing friendships and relationships with these uh, creatives that you're gathering together and then there's also publishing books and there's all of this which would for a publisher and and for a new um, startup be something that would go from one step to the next to the next You've kind of gone all in with the kitchen sink and done it at a very, um, very short window of time. What's that challenge been like to kind of keep all of those plates spinning um, and do as well as you've done um, in establishing all of those? Well, we established very early on, and I'm proud to say that some of the directors of the firm are here. We established the fact that we needed to have a team of, of people working who were going to be sharing the load. So it's not just a question of people given titles, but they have specific inf- they have specific roles that they naturally we've all settled into and doing. We meet on a regular basis, weekly. We have okay. a two-hour two meeting. So that's that commitment of time. The scheduling of the Kickstarter is something that I've sort of specialised in, but now, I'm sure Joe won't mind me saying, but we had a hand-holding process with her going through it. I'll go through it with Dave as well, so they can run off and do Kickstarters. So I don't need to micromanage anything like that. I listen to them and, and, and we, we have a safe enough space, if you like, that basically we can be very constructive about our thoughts. Therefore, people are kind of at least clear about what we might be working on, which can be something to move us forward. But what we're not trying to do is we're not trying to go, oh, yeah, our objective is to get to 10,000 comics each time. We're working on a scale that can work with. So we work with Adrian at GMC, Get My Comics, to do our, our, our distribution. But that doesn't mean that we don't have online stores and I am more pretty much full-time now doing this, so that answers how much time you need. But I would say having a team of people has been an amazing thing, but we were already known to each other prior to that through the Facebook Judge Dread groups and these sorts of things. But we just kind of like just reached out and went, yeah, you know, we do seem to be bumping into each other again and again and talking about that thing. And um, I literally, we're not saying it was the pandemic because we started about the year beforehand in, in 2019. And I was saying I was approaching, approached um, Steve in 2018 or 17. I was, was going to say, like um, who, who did you approach first? Who, who was the, uh, were the first uh, names? Certainly on this. Uh, the oh, I, oh, 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 so um, Steve's, Steve's um, strips, which appear in, a, in, 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 in his book, The Sheer Glam Conspiracy, was a very early reading material for me. And I knew I wanted to serialise those strips. It hadn't turned into the comic that Steve since brought out called Blazer. But I knew I wanted Lou straight away. Andy came in. He's a new boy. He's only been with us since issue two. 
So he's like, he's like Judge Dredd who started in issue two, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And he's a power force and a kind of like, you know, one man kind of, well, it's a psycho colour, coffee consuming. If I need some energy, I go to him and he, 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 he talks to me about our stuff. We've got, so Steve's my, Steve's my man in regards to, hello Steve. So he basically keeps an eye on the fact that we don't run into any icebergs in terms of any issues that we have with all sorts of things. So with Facebook, for example, just very quickly, we got into the Facebook community admin groups. So basically we've been sort of, um, so Facebook came to us and picked us to be power admins in terms of community project in that they say the groups that we run are run particularly well. And there's a, there's a private Facebook group for Facebook people run by Facebook. Wow. So we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Was that the first? <laughs> Shit, have I done it, mate? I know what I'm saying is, but we we. I don't know if anyone this. spotted that. There was this red pointer dot. In the forehead <laughs> there, and it's, like, it's, it's like okay, that, yeah. you just shut the hell up. Anyway, okay. so it's 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 working those things. Look, I don't know about TikTok, right? I don't know about Insta, but I know Insta's linked, and yeah. Joe manages Insta, and we got people. Dave Dave does our Dave does our Twitter. I'll and it's built up thousands he's doing it now so I'm just saying he's not, and if I was trying to be one person doing those things how can you do it no. how can you fulfil a Kickstarter how can you draw and write comics but I think it, it, not just yourself but like you say as a, uh, as a, uh, as a company uh, under that banner of uh, the 77 in the short space of time that you've uh, established yourself I think it's very very impressive that that has been the way uh, that it's, uh, it's gone and the success of that in terms then of the elevator pitch and what uh, made the 77 and joining the 77 appealing yeah um, it's a love letter you to the just call. shush then for a second I'm going to talk to you three what was the elevator pitch that you got from Ben and from everyone else that you then took from um, and decided yes the 77 is something that I want to be involved in and is something that I can move forward with, with my stories uh, we'll start at the end Steve can you remember what uh, the first Inklings and the first uh, conversations were that you would just went, ah, yes, I'll be up for that. Well, it was quite easy because uh, I think Ben read the Shake Land conspiracy on the way to your honeymoon <laughs> in the air. And so then when he got back from his honeymoon, exhausted, of course, um, he rang me up and he said, most scripts at the back of that book, you know, they could be drawn. I said, well, that's your elevator pitch, I mean because I didn't have to do anything, it just say yes. So he went ahead and uh, then I learned about where they would appear in the 77 bang and uh, how, you know, and it all sounded good to me, so I was in. From the word go? Yeah. Uh, yourself, Lou? Um, Especially considering that um, the, the style of comics that you do, it's, it's, it's cartooning. Um, it's, um, it's, I'm not going to say it's a standout um, because there are other um, great cartoonists in there but there's definitely uh, a, a, a contrast with some of the other uh, artwork that's uh, inside the book why did you feel that the 77 was a great home well I think if, if I remember rightly I think Ben wanted um, you know like the old comics uh, would have a humour strip in the back so Lion would have Mao's in the back yeah. and uh, Valiant would have the knots and whatever um, so I think you wanted something like that, didn't you? Just a, just a bit of a contrast, and um, it appealed to me because you know it's an independent comic, and you've got basically I've got free reign to create a character. Uh, whereas I enjoy working for the Beano, but it's their characters, you know. Um, I enjoy doing Doctor Who, mag- the Doctor Who magazine strip, but it's I'm confined to the Doctor Who sure. universe. 
Uh, whereas this, I got free reign, and it, so it sort of goes back to the days uh, of Marvel UK when I could create my own characters for them and, and, uh, and do what I wanted, basically. Um, so that was that was the, that was the incentive, and uh, I, I thought obviously I'll, I'll do a science fiction strip because the seven to seven is from what I'd, I'd already learned about it. It was sort of going that way, that kind of fantasy science fiction sort of stuff. So I thought I'll do a science fiction character. So I came up with Sar- Sergeant Shouty, um, who initially I thought it kind of a, a parody of the old Captain Hurricane character from Valiant. But I didn't just want to limit it to that because Mystery Barnacles. Yes, that's it. <laughs> who, you know, as his raging fury, which is kind of where Slain comes from as well. That sort of sure. thing where um, all the Hulk, you know, that kind of Hulk's out sort of thing. Um, but I. I but it's not just about that, obviously. Then I developed it as it went along, and you know, so it's more of a backstory, and there's other things we haven't seen yet, which are going to be revealed about it. So, um, and I knew it was going to be a quarterly, uh, so I didn't want to do like a cliffhangers if it could, if it could help it. So, no, three months is a long time for readers to remember what's gone on. Um, so, the kind of self-contained. It's, it's an ongoing plot, so a backstory is ongoing, but there's, you know, I kind of keep it uh, self-contained. So, uh, yeah, and it's, it's just nice to sort of work in a comic where it is creator-owned and you've got a lot of freedom with it. And uh, it's for a slightly older readership than I'm, I'm used to working for, so, um, you know, it's not restrictions like you can't have violence. I mean, Sergeant Shout, he couldn't appear in the Beano because it'd be considered too violent now. So, um, even though it's only comic violence... But you can't have somebody being punched in the face and things like that. Sure. You know? <laughs> well, I'm going to get into that because I do want to talk about um, the target audience and, like you say, uh, the, the slightly it is skewed towards a, a slightly older readership that is, has that nostalgia for uh, uh, classic comic stories. So we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. For yourself, Andrew, then, um, what was the appeal and was it more a case of I'm going to get the chance to appear in a book alongside the likes of Lou Stringer? And Steve McManus and Et al. and the rest. Yeah. Short version. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'll, I'll choose my words carefully. I ducked out of comics. I'm not happy saying this, but because of the damage, Wizards and Image in the early days had done. Okay. And I think round about 2000, I was out. I was out. It didn't matter who was drawing what, I was out. And there were certain things. I, I, I'm a 2008 kid. It, it goes way back when I got brought home in 1981, age five, Prog 236, and I saw McMahon's first episode of Block Mania. I'm, like, I'm all in. Even at five, I got, I got it. I got it. And I knew there was something unique. Fast forward, I think, what sort of where the iceberg started to resurface you had the Judge Dredd or the Dread 2012 movie I'm a long time Judge Dredd fan even though I'd moved away from it all and sort of kept my finger on the pulse I really started to come back into the world um, I think Jock released a, a sketchbook with all the um, yeah. storyboards and you started to think about things but nothing happened and then um crazy everything comes back to 2008 boys did their very first Droptober and I'm like just for fun I'm like yeah I'm going to do I am going to do all 31 days and I think I had it in my head that I was fully realised goes to show that I'm an idiot but I, I went wild I was posting this stuff all over 
um, everywhere. Instagram, uh, other 2000 groups, the 1977 group, the ECBT page, and it was starting to get some traction where they were podcasting and my name got mentioned. He's done another one. He's done at least done more. Have you seen this one? And um, that, that was with just like, I only had like two pens. I think they were like um, gel pens from Smith's. Point fives, really thick, and I was yeah. doing them as uh, faux eagle covers, Brian Bollard's eagle covers, and the McMahon eagle covers. To this day, I think I've got about seven or eight of each one. I just every time I see them, I buy them, I buy them. I buy them. <laughs> People just started talking, you know, like um, it, it really created a sort of groundswell, an underground groundswell. Like, so if you consider that to be like demo material, and then I think both Ben and Steve Ball reached out to us and in the initial offing and the 1977 page the 1977 to 2000 page was a very warm place to be you could talk about your favourite sub- subject matter 2080 Judge Red the artists the writers um, they sort of reached out to us and sort of said um, we, we've potentially got a McManus script in the offing um, and I got the script the deadline was so tight um, it already got drawn by someone else so okay. I was like I've scotched it I've missed the chance but literally within hours, uh, the phone call came in from Ben and goes, I'm going to put you in touch with uh, one of my editors, Steve. And, um, and this is when I fell off my chair. Um, he goes, we've got a Dan Boss Giorgio script uh, for issue two for you. So, um, again, going back to Marvel UK, very familiar with Lou's body of work. And I was also very familiar with Dan Boss Giorgio. Yeah. You know, I, I think at some point, whatever you was reading at home, um, Dan Boss Giorgio was involved in it. And um, I got the history, you know, the warrior, um, sort of dark and golden eyed they were, and um, I can't remember what the shop's called in, in New Cross. Yeah. You were like, this is a bit strange. These these, these are big names yeah. to me, at least. And uh, I got the script, and Bamboo stupidly gave me his phone number. <laughs> um, I think within. Hours and hours long of, phone calls. Yeah, yeah, I, can I, I, I think I think at one point he had to say to me, um, "My wife said I'm not allowed. On that. I, we don't do phone calls after five o'clock." Uh, <laughs> but I think that was him just saying, "I, I can't take this anymore." Um, but I convinced him that we can take this future shock style story and um, move it forward into a. It, 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 I don't want to give too much away. It's become a massive shared universe thing. Anyway, going back to your original posit, the elevator pitch was was that I, I'm going to take this ball by the horns and we'll just run with it as far as we can and I'll do anything and everything to uh, to help grow it but the big thing with Kickstarter and crowdfunding is unlike anything else I've ever read or seen um, this thing of ours is yours, it's the readers it's, it, it really is It's there, there is no distinction Sure. Um, and I, I don't think the readers, when they've, when they've got that copy of the 77 in their hands, you you made that. It's almost like you are there with us on the on the page when we're drawing it, colouring it, lettering it, um, and writing it. It's it's unlike anything else. It's not that you go into an office block or it's completely separate, removed, and it just hits the shelves. It's it's a symbiotic relationship, and it, I think that's just my my whole experience with it so far. Well, I think you, you, you find that with uh, any successful Kickstarter. It is about developing not so much um, a business plan. It's not even, well, to some degree, it's not even so much about reaching the target. It's about developing a community which will then not just make that Kickstarter a success, 
but every other subsequent Kickstarter is success and I think that's where the 77 has certainly um, made its mark because it's got a real strong community uh, groundswell on that when did that start really um, working then when did the, you realise that Kickstarter really was an ideal platform for you and why Kickstarter? Why not okay. say another platform? So I, I, I investigate. We had a, a, a month where we where we looked at the pros and cons between Indiegogo and Kickstarter. I, I know other platforms are available, but sure. I, and I spoke to the comics guy at Indiegogo, and, and, and literally we had a meeting and stuff. Kickstarter didn't have the same frames, but then I, we, at the same time that Rock of the Reds was going through one of its Kickstarters, and we were monitoring that and seeing how the community that we were involved in was reacting to that, and we felt that our community would be the same response. That they, we, we were sharing a, the Venn diagram worked, um, and we knew that there are pitfalls with Kickstarters in the way that you set up targets too low, you hit it too quickly. The, the, everyone goes, "There's no, there's no threat to it not being project." You know, I mean, people want to be involved and see it work, but if you set it too low, you're not going to pay for the production. You know, because we offer a page rate, which is a share, but it's sure. what we try and do. We try and maintain it, um, or you go too high and it's, you know. Anyway, so we found the sweet spot on where we are with that. Um, and um, I mean got to be honest you know our most successful Kickstarter was only last year and that's with Steve's um, annual and um, we were just shy of 20 grand Steve Bull's annual yeah Steve yeah. Steve Bull um, and, but, but, but the thing is I mean you're holding too many, too many Steve's this is a softback edition um, and the print production cost on that is not a lot but the hardback was I think it was six, seven, seven quid a throw and if you're having a, if you're having quite a few of those printed a lot of your money goes in production yeah. Um, and with the Kickstarter, if you get the posting charge wrong, every the more you sell, the more you lose. Oh, sure. Wow. You know, I, 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 I've, I've trained in kitchens where chefs misprice menus. The more you sell, the more you're losing the boss. God. Yeah, you yeah. have to be able to price things. So my fi- my fixation is knowing the cost, knowing everything. I think that's what I'm quite good, one of the things I'm quite good at doing. And I'll get back to people and say, okay, so what does that mean about how we're going to pitch for this Kickstarter, or whatever? You know, now we're number eight in the comic, but it's our with Joe's was I believe the 10th Kickstarter this is the 11th we're doing presently it's running now we know when to start them we know how to do, run an event on Facebook to get the interest go to the groups we also advertise on Facebook so I've got into our Facebook advertising understanding that a little bit more so we have to invest as well and put money in and um, I speak to people like fairly established publishers and understand what the margins are when they say, I don't know if anyone here is in publishing, but they don't make much more. They don't make much more above single-digit profit sure. on your turnover. Even uh, that, you know. When it comes to the um, the rewards then of getting the book uh, published and yeah. like as a business for yourselves as creators, um, uh, what is the kind of balance between the creative re- reward of actually being able to uh, put your own stories out there and get them um, published? towards the financial uh, reward uh, which obviously uh, is something that you have to kind of you've got to pay the bills and uh, there's uh, kind of that offset to the, the actual point of the book together uh, talking to the creatives then uh, for you three what has been the balance between uh, that, that of actually getting the story that you want to get told well, out there for against me it's the, easy I'm receiving the state pension so anything I get from the 77 is icing on the cake and uh, means I can take my wife out now and then for a nice meal. So for me it's fair enough. I don't have to stress at all. Okay. It's lovely. <laughs> uh, yeah, well I'm a, as it's an independent comic, I knew up front that it's not gonna be the same sort of rates as 
you know you got you'd get for fears or anything like that. Sure, but that's irrelevant really because it's it's, it's creator owned. So you have to sort of think the, the, the long term, where in the future it could be repackaged. So you, again, you get some money from that. Um, but it's just nice to do something, you know, and, and we're getting something. If it was if it was nothing at all, I'd probably just have done one issue or something. But um, you know, there isn't. We do receive some uh, some income from it. Um, so it's uh, yeah, the incentive really is the creative creative side, okay. the creative control. Of, you know, um, and it's 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 not if it was a weekly, I couldn't live with it, obviously. But that, you know, it's it's a quarterly, so it's a nice sort of uh, little bonus. You know. Okay, I've got a, a question about that. We'll uh, we'll come back, uh, Andrew. Then your, yourself for, as a, a, a relative newcomer into the industry, that balance between getting a, a creative idea out there and the, the financial offset the, in terms of getting some money back. Right now. Um getting your not just because you're building the future there is more reward in getting your uh, creations out there uh, sharing that with readers and uh, being able to apply your trade and develop your craft Um, any remuneration is great I think my grandfather always said it's a bunch of things you don't discuss at the dinner table Um, and money money was kind of one of them and it's just with the world's changed I think you used to be able to do these massive print runs. I had a fantastic conversation with uh, Mr. McManus about this. They were able to go to the printers and go, so how much would it be for another 100,000 copies? Oh, only this much. And they would speak to the publisher and, well, let's take a chance. If, if we print 2,000, uh, 200,000, will it sell? And they were like, and it did. And then they were like, well, it only cost the same amount to do another 100,000. And then it was like, and then they sell. Those days are gone and they're yeah. never coming back. So I think when you try and um, connect financial reward or remuneration to creating stuff, they're never going to work out. Okay. They're never going to work out. So the easy choices, the natural, the right choice, the morally right choices, it's more important to just invest. It's worth the sacrifice. It's sure. worth, there are some things in life you can't take material stuff with you. It's far better to to put something out there that will last forever yeah, yeah. in that case if we take the uh, the money out of the equation then and we talk about the actual um, the, the stories that you're putting into the books and um, there would be like I say the community that has been developed around the 77 and also uh, on Facebook and on Kickstarter when you ha- create that kind of community then there is that dialogue backwards and forwards you're creating uh, a family of followers that are not only going to support you but they're also going to kind of certainly dictate what content you have in the stories. Where do where's that balance come in in terms of um, any kind of comments and any um, feedback that you get from okay. the creators uh, from the uh, the followers in terms right. of then dictating what stories and where they go forward? We we do do some specific um, checking on surveys with people. Sure. A bit like the old cut-out coupons, you know, you ruin your front page of your prog by cutting out which of your top favourite three stories. That doesn't necessarily mean there'll be a drastic requirement for a rewrite or dropping a strip, but just so we know if we're edging in the right direction. Mm-hmm. There are some choices which also mean, for example, the climate we're living in at the moment in terms of how we approach maybe, for example, issues around cover price and stuff. You just go, that's, that's just got to be done. We don't discuss those things. The commercial decisions can't be discussed with the readership. Sure. But... 
I think basically we know from the fact that the submissions we get, the fact that also, of course, we've slightly diversified now that we have, we have Pandora, a very different comic. Blazer, which is pure, uh, Pandora's very modern. Um, Blazer is mine and Steve's little homage to bog paper, whereas Pandora is much more the way that comics and stories can be told in, the, in, 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 in this decade of the, of the 21st century the issues it can deal with would not necessarily been dealt with in the same way in any of the other comics that we grew up reading although there were elements of it in some stars of the comics for example that Joe was very much influenced with and, and her family bought and read with her her experience of that and what she wanted to do Blazer is something that Steve clearly wanted he didn't know he wanted to do it but you ended up writing a book about this fictional comic which yeah. you know it has to be a novel because he can't tell those stories in a non-fiction way and it's hilarious and the strip itself with working with Dan Cornwell and with Filippo and Colin Maxwell from Commando and all the new artists that we're getting in is all very much of what happened in 1974 it's its niche it's on bog roll paper it's quite amusing in that respect but it's an I think it's a really nice it, I, I, I watch people walk over to it and go oh my god I'm just I'm somewhere else I'm and, and it's great 77 Steve and I's notion about how we were going to go with 77 in terms of cover, the cover development is we wanted to do that thing of how 2000 AD changed well, no, over 25 that, years then, not me. over over we wanted to do I'm it over a couple to take a theme here <laughs> okay we wanted to do it over it, it takes us ages to uh, get the blazer looking like that we have to stamp on them and rough them up a bit shake them in a box and leave them in the sun for two days yeah. Yeah. But, but whereas for example Pandora's landed fully formed and blazer is blazer's not going to change the 77 is developing because we right, want it okay. to be an organic thing so okay. it's very much listening and working with but hey we, we, we know what we want to do with it okay yeah. and then the actual tone of the 77 is right there in the title the 77 we're talking very much um, a vibe of um, uh, classic comics uh, from the, uh, the British newsstands uh, uh, back in the, uh, the 70s um, how does that offset then against um, modern techniques modern storytelling techniques I mean it's like you're saying Andrew that you felt that there was something that was fundamentally if I'm going to say broken but um, did you did you feel or do you feel that there's something that the 77 then redresses that um, in terms of uh, the way that comics are in 2022 absolutely it brought back vitality um, there's there's a rawness and a, and a power that, that I remembered when I was five and I saw that first McMahon Judge Dredd strip and, they, and they've brought that back it was initially it was initial brief when you actually going back to the elevator pitch because it was a retro anthology mm-hmm. and then it has transformed or to quote Calvin and Hobbes transmogrified <laughs> into um, its own beast it, I think it still has that at its core and it's a retro comic in, in as much if this is what um, is it is it about the attitude as well as the politics yeah, as well as yeah. the kind of the take on comics back then it's got an inclusionary DIY ethic and I think that people um, might recognise the back cover yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it's got one foot planted firmly foot in, in nostalgia you're always sure. going to be reverential to your influences but it's it's just become its own thing and, and yet the, the engagement with the readership you know, they, they do say what we like, 
and so sometimes when you're starting to plot further down the line and visually develop artwork and things even subconsciously you've got that in your mindset and it's just it's, a, it's evolving it's a natural evolution it's not forced sure it's, yeah. yeah and there is a brief Pandora's a classic example of that um, working with Joe was great there was a very clear defined vision and then during its development whilst it still has a nod to, to its source inspiration it's become its own thing and I, we, no one knew no one knew that was what was going to happen and then going back to I'm not anti-wizard you know, I remember reading a bunch of them and they were fun but it was forcing a house style it was and it, and it, it built a house of cards which toppled and okay. it wasn't sustainable and I think you know I'm not saying we're not doing that but it's you're not restrained or restricted by trends and fashions yeah. and things that aren't going to last this has longevity it's, it's, a, it's a real thing and it has heart I mean, I, I always I, I read all the reviews of the '77, and um, you know, sort of see what people think, sort of think of the feedback. Um, and I know not all, everybody likes my stuff because it's, it's humour stuff, you know. But uh, there are enough people who do like it, and I listen to what they're saying about it. So, you know, I bear that in mind for where I'm developing the character and things like that. But the thing I like about the '77, it is run very professionally, as, as you have no doubt gathered from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ben, Ben's been saying you know he knows his stuff and he, he's got a, a good uh, a good head on his shoulders for taking this forward you know um so it's it's, it's a pleasure to work for and it is i think the latest issue is the strongest one yet and you can see it improving issue by issue um and everybody you know like andy you know you know developing the technique and, and it's, it's 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 a great company to work for so it's a pleasure to be on board it's nice to have that diversity even though the 70s may be the inspiration Mm. You know, people are doing their own, definitely their own styles, and it's not like um, a blazer is, which is you know intentionally a retro comic. You know, this is sort of taking that as a springboard and then going forward from there. But well, let's, uh, let's, uh, I think it's only fair that we've got ourselves some uh, uh, sample pages and we've got some uh, some artwork, and we'll uh, we'll uh, talk to uh, to yourselves then about um, highlights, about um, things that you might want to uh, shine a spotlight on. Certainly of uh, the uh, the bits. I mean, we've been kind of uh, putting some bits and pieces up on the, the screen uh, as we've uh, been in conversation uh, moving forward. And if we bring up, uh, I mean, as retro as it gets, uh, which is our. Uh, uh, intro and features page uh, blazer number one uh, and it definitely kind of uh, sets that uh, the tone straight up from the off um, Ben if you can talk about um, certainly hi- highlights for yourself and how the creators that you brought on board stuck yeah. the landing and um, so and brought what they needed so yeah it's about team building so basically I was working with Andrew Richmond he'd come into doing stories with us in the 77 but he's also an, a, a publisher and an art editor and he very much formed um, a working relationship with Steve and has gone forward with him and does the, the page designs, but to Steve's specification. You, we all know what action used to look like on those feature pages. I don't think we have the, can you tell what this little image is, that close-up thing, but all the features there, Steve lovingly wrote everything. There are so many Easter eggs and jokes and things there which just, it should look straight away take you to somewhere that you do remember reading if you're of a certain age um, and I think also what I wanted to give you is an opportunity to have fun doing it yes yeah, it's great fun it's great fun yeah. I, I love it I, I particularly like doing the feature pages and of those the letters pages my absolute when I'm sat doing the letters page yeah. I'm in heaven because uh, you can 
we just had so much fun uh, kind of riffing the kind of letters we used to get in the comics where they'd say you make them up someone would write in say you make up the letters so then you have a riposte uh, so there's that kind of with the reader that kind of uh, what you call it sort of to and throw and I'm trying to recreate that and uh, it's great fun but uh, yeah it's a good package 32 pages shame we couldn't get the newsprint we're going to go for a summer special aren't we going to do a summer special and maybe give you a shot at an annual you know (laughs) (laughs) well it it seems to be happily trundling along we're we're producing number three this year aren't we Steve at the moment yeah 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 number three um, it's it's great and uh, we've had our first merger it's a bit like having your first baby really (laughs) (laughs) so it's you three welcomes uh, the crew from uh, the horror comic and the stable and some of their stories have come on board so that's given us a bit of room to uh, add a bit of horror to Blazer so um, that's been quite fun to figure out yeah so those are our last three publications so Blazer 2 the annual and I beg your pardon three of four and then the last issue there Ben McLeod the artist on the red uh, spoof of obviously Meatloaf that was released the day that he died when I commissioned Trackless Depths in which Sean Connery appears in that was the day Sean Connery dies now Ben's doing commissions so don't ask for a picture of a loved one (laughs) (laughs) but we are I am actually he's working on an Ed Sheeran at the moment okay the the, uh, the Ray Liotta cover that you just did I think think Ben and a guy called Lee Milmore had 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 communications with Steve like 25, 30 years ago and tryouts and then life got in the way Ben had to run a family punting business in Canterbury but he's a fantastic artist and you go and see his work and his sketches unbelievable his artwork unbelievable Mark Montague he won the 2000 D Art Stars two or three years ago he's totally bought into what we want to do you know we got Le- we got Leonardo Manco Steve Bull has got a hotline to Leonardo in Argentina wherever he is at the moment tell him tell him he's on the line um, the fact that Dan Cornwall finds time between Citadel and all the work with John John Wagner to do stories for Steve on Godwin's Law. It's been a pleasure, hasn't it, Steve? It's yeah, just lovely. It's lovely. Yeah, he wants to do more, actually. So yeah. I don't and, and we're bringing Andrew and we're bringing other people right up. You know, Drew Marr, who was 11 years old and published more books than me when I started off. Drew runs Red Li- um, Gold Line Comics out of Dundee. He's legend. Legend. The editor of the Beano rings him up regularly, I'm sure, you know? <laughs> And uh, when, it was, when, it, when, when, when that was the case, I met them uh, and, and Ian Kennedy at a special function up in, up in Dundee. We had Drew featuring, a little 11-year-old kid, and we're going to keep tabs on him. Drew famously fired me and Lou from Gold Lion Comics. Find <laughs> 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 me up, age 11, get out. And I thought those letters were real. <laughs> um, They're not. I, I, we, we haven't got a great deal of time left so I think we'll make uh, as quick as we can to get through as much as we can um, one more time anything else that you do want to kind of uh, showcase especially when it comes to upcoming uh, releases and the way that you've uh, uh, what you've got planned uh, for uh, 77 so Pandora has literally just landed we need to promote Pandora now as a comic which has successfully kickstarted we'll be taking that strip forward during the summer and the conventions I'm appearing at I'm going to be at Lycaf 
Um, I'm going to be doing a couple of local ones to me in Lincolnshire. Then in the autumn, we'll be going to we, we're returning to Thought Bubble. We had an amazing time at Thought Bubble. We got a lovely reception for the guys. They, 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 they've, they've actually written to us saying, "So pleased you've come back. We're going to give you something else to do." Like half, Steve can't make it this time. We used to meet up all the time, Steve. It's at Bowness on Lakes. It's going to be lovely. I do recommend it. It's going to be great. But I'll have a game of pool with somebody you know <laughs> um, so we're out doing the conventions now um, we've got Haunted which is Dave Healy's project coming out um, and that'll be um, kickstarting and then I can't tell you but basically I've pretty much okayed and we've been given a fairly big a fairly big job that you'll be hearing a lot about in the next few months and Antarctic Press in the States are publishing us now. Reissue one. Reissue one. We've sold out of issue one. We've pre-printed that. The reprint stuff. You keeping up with all of this, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. It's, um, yeah. But, I, you know, it's fun. Just Check out issue one. There's, it's a reissue, but there's a whole bunch of new stuff in there. So, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think it's got a cheaper cover price. It's, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole new beast. Yeah. Fantastic. And Lou's got two pages now. Oh, yeah. So Sergeant Shout is two pages now. So that gives me a chance to develop the story a bit more so it's now now even louder <laughs> there you go there he is up on the screen excellent stuff indeed Come so on, how, I, how awesome is that yeah. brilliant yeah. I think it's safe to say that um, what the 77 brings to uh, the landscape of comics um, is a a fresh take on a classic house style or a classic style of comics and it's great to have them uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the landscape and I continue to support and I look forward to seeing what uh, comes down the line especially considering what you've achieved so far ladies and gentlemen can you put your hands together please for our fantastic panelists Andrew Sayers Liz Singer Follow all the latest convention news and updates along with interviews, reviews and podcasts at theconventioncollective.com. Support our work at patreon.com slash an Englishman in San Diego.